Welcome to the How Did They Do It Real Estate Podcast. Have you ever wondered how people succeed in real estate and what steps they took to get there? If so, this podcast is for you. Your hosts, Sayla and Eileen Prack, interview top experts in the real estate community to share with you their real estate journey and how they achieved massive success. Our goal is to provide you with valuable real estate resources and to help you apply it to your own real estate goals. Welcome to today's episode of the How Did They Do It Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Eileen Prack, and I'm super excited to bring on a fantastic guest for you today, Alvin Cieno. And he is currently a real estate investor and author, and he previously worked for eight years as an aerospace engineer with a master's degree in mechanical engineering. And he was also a NFL linebacker with the LA Chargers, and he transitioned to serving as a fitness coach, as well as a model and actor, working on various promotional and commercial projects. Today, he runs Financial Athlete Capital as well. And so I'm super excited to have you on the show, Alvin. Welcome, and how are you doing? Hello, hello. Yes, I am doing Fabulous. I like to say too blessed to be stressed. You know, that's my answer. When, <laughs> when people ask me how I'm doing, you know, you alive and you have ability. Uh, so you know, that's a blessing. So yes, I'm doing well. And thank you for having me. So Alvin, can you share a little bit more about your background and how did you get started with the real with real estate, especially with, you know, coming from your background? How did this all come about for you? Yes, yes. So as you mentioned, there is a very, very much so a diverse background in, in various different industries, areas. For me, real estate really got started with my parents, uh, born in right outside New Orleans, Louisiana. My parents have several properties uh, within Southeast Louisiana. So I kind of grew up being on the property management side, the asset management side. You know, I remember as a, a 10-year-old going, help my, my dad work on the AC unit, you know, instead of I want to watch cartoons this weekend, you know, but, you know, going on those trips to help my parents uh, work in various different aspects of the property, putting in, helping them remodel floors or different things like that. So a lot of hands-on experience. And I remember as a kid, my, my parents would either go pick up or they will have rent get dropped off to them on, on the first of the month, you know, rent due. And I'm like, wow, people just... People just come over and just start giving you money. I need to, I need to get into this. So that's what really uh, got me intrigued and got me aware of the power of real estate investing. And that's been something that I never really looked back since, uh, even through all of the other jobs I've been through. Uh, you know, went on to play in the NFL with the Chargers, uh, played for a couple of years in the NFL, and then half a season with the CFL before I tore my ACL, and then. Also, even when I was an engineer working as an aerospace engineer, I was always looking at real estate, always uh, investing in properties actively and passively uh, to where, you know, I am now full time real estate investor. So it's been it's been a great journey over the years, but it all really started just watching my parents invest. So a lot of people would think, um, especially you know, with the aerospace background, you know, that's a really impressive industry to be in. And then as well as going on to play with the NFL, that career as well has been doing so fantastic for your life. So why even get started with real estate and investing when some people might think? Yes, that's a great question because I always answer that with prior, I had two prior highly paying active 
careers, you know, as an NFL athlete and an aerospace engineer, both making well into six, seven plus figures. However, the one key aspect about both of them is that they are both active. So I want to put myself in a position to where I don't have to clock in every single day to, in order to get paid, right? I want to wake up and maybe I just want to go to the beach today, or maybe I just want to go relax and go on vacation. I still want to have checks coming in. They want to have income being generated. And that's what an asset like real estate allows you to do to invest passively, you know, create passive income to where I remember, you know, when I was a engineer, I was making a, a, a good amount of money, but I was working 40, 50, 60 hours a week. Right. And then I had a couple properties at the time and I was probably putting in five, 10 hours a week. And my real estate income was just as much as my engineering income. So I'm here I am working five times more on the engineering side, but the income generated are the same. That is really, that's when I really, that's when it clicked in my head. Like, okay, we need to just go full time into real estate. So, you know, that's the power of investing, investing in real estate in particular to where you can generate passive income unlike I had in those prior to high paying active careers. So while you're actively working as well and you're purchasing uh, real estate properties, were they mostly residential, multifamily? What was the first asset classes that you started out with? Yeah, so I started off in the residential single family uh, asset class. However, I treated them like multifamily because you know multifamily is a lot more less less susceptible to vacancy and just you know a, a lot of other risk averse aspects about it when comparing it to single family, right? So if you got single family one tenant in there, they leave, that's a hundred percent of your income gone. However, if I, if I have a uh, four unit and one of them leave. Now I'm still at I'm still at the um 75% of my income being generated, right? So my first investments, the first two were single families and I rented them out by the room. So I did a co-living structure and you know four bedroom or five bedroom so that I was able to generate twice as much as I would have if I just rented it out as a single family. So you know that really propelled me into the uh, the ability to leave my engineering job and then have that flexibility to go into actual multifamily and larger uh, commercial real estate properties. So because you had that experience helping to manage your parents' rental properties, you were able to take that knowledge and apply it to yourself. So it sounded like you were self-managing the properties that you had. Yes, yes. So I'm based in Los Angeles. The properties I have out here are all self-managed and uh, it's not as hard as people may think. You know, of course you need the systems, you need the right people in place to make everything happen. But once that is in place, it's not um, as much time or headache as people may think. So yeah, the local ones, I am self-managing those. Can you talk a little bit about that transition from single family and then you mentioned multifamily? Yeah, so from single family to multifamily, the loans, the qualifications and so forth are a little bit different, right? So on the residential one to four side, we qualify based on, especially if you get a conventional loan, based on your income, based on your tax returns, your pay stubs, you know, things of that sort, a uh, typical conventional loan. Whereas on the commercial side, 
it's strictly asset driven. So what is what is the assets income? You're looking more at uh, the DSCR, debt service coverage ratio. So different components like that, uh, that are a little bit different from the single family residential side. But I would say from economies of scale standpoint, the commercial side is where you want to be, right? So like like I mentioned uh, earlier, if you have a single family and one person leaves, then that's 100% of your income. But also on the flip side, if I have a two bedroom that I'm renting out for $2,000 and that's just one house versus you know having a hundred unit apartment building that's two thousand per unit, you know now I'm I'm making a lot more income, right? So being able to structure things, so even for example, if I a rent increase, if I if I do from two thousand to two hundred and ten thousand, or two thousand and one hundred twenty one hundred, a hundred dollar rent increase across a hundred units, that you can imagine how much uh, over a year's time extra income you're making, right? Versus the $100 increase on a residential side, one unit, that's just $1,200. So you're not doing much when you get into larger in comparison to the larger multifamily commercial side. So that's really what made me jump into the commercial side, just the economies of scale on it. And then has it always also been in the LA area or were you investing outside of California? Well, definitely. <laughs> when I got to the commercial side, I started investing outside of California, right? A 50 unit or 100 unit in California can be pretty much 50 to $100 million, right? <laughs> but because I don't have that, those type of funds available, uh, working in other markets, Nebraska, Louisiana, Texas, that, that are a little bit more affordable to get into the larger multifamily. So was it challenging for you to move from California and then start investing out of state? And at that point in time, were you still working uh, the active jobs as well, or was it full-time real estate? Yeah, so it was definitely challenging. I mean, you, you're not physically there. You can't just go drive and check out places. You don't know uh, the market too well because you're not every day in it, you know, driving around. So I would say partnerships is huge when you're doing out-of-state uh, investing, partner with a firm that I've known for over a year, had a, a lot, a great relationship with. They were local to that market, invested in several different properties in that market, introduced me to uh, the property management and lenders in the local market. So that was a huge benefit to, to me, uh, closed on a 12 unit and a 30 unit in Nebraska. Um, so I would say that's that's probably step number one. You need to meet and connect with people in that local market. And in regards to if, if I was uh, full-time, I had just transitioned to being full-time uh, investing in real estate at that moment. So when I was still investing as a as an engineer, just on the side, when I was investing on the side, the properties in California and Los Angeles was the properties that put me over my engineering income so that allowed me to go full time into real estate. And then I'm able to make those connections and you know go to conferences, meetups, you know, get on the phone and meet people in other local markets, you know, out of state. I know you when you said that you looked at what you're making on the rental income and you were looking at your engineering income and your rentals had surpassed your income. Was it a challenge for you to make that decision to leave 
you know, a successful full-time aerospace engineering job to go into real estate full-time? Oh, yes. It definitely was not easy. I mean, like anything, right? If uh, it's the unknown, that that's probably the the number one fear driving factor for anybody doing anything, right? Most people are fearful of, oh, I don't know what this going to, I don't know how this situation going to work out. I don't know how this person is going to treat me and so forth. So they, they end up just not moving forward at all. So it was definitely nerve wracking. Uh, however, at the very least, I knew that my expenses were covered. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, even if it didn't work out at all, I knew that I won't, I was not going to end up homeless, right? So I always say for people that's interested in in going being an entrepreneur, people that's interested in just going out on their own and you're working a W-2 job, leverage that W-2 job as a business partner, right? So for me, I took my engineering income, I'm investing 60 to 80% of it into real estate, into investments to supplement the engineering active income. So your W-2 job is really your first business partner. You want to use that income to generate passive investment income. And then slowly but surely, you can work your way to not be a W-2 employee. But it's a great safety net to have that passive income in place and then leave your job as opposed to, all right, here goes nothing. (laughs) And you're trying to figure it out with no income coming in at all. Yeah. And I think we've seen a lot of that too, where people are going full force into it. And some of them are, they have met with success when they jump in full times, but that's not necessarily the case for everyone at the same time. So, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, especially but, in California, because yes. the cost of living is high in California. You, you need two, three jobs a lot of times just to pay your expenses. So, the homeless population and so forth, it, it's uh, it's a struggle. So how did you come across Nebraska as the market that you wanted to enter? Was it Partner First that you connected with that drove you to that market? Or was there something else that helped make that decision? Okay, yeah. So there was a little bit of a few different things. But I always say in regards to any real estate investment, you know, there's your partners, there's the market, there's the, the deal itself. But the number one most important thing is your partner whoever you're going to be working with, whoever you're going to be being able to collaborate with. I always say a great partner will turn an average deal and make it great. Whereas a poor partner, uh, you know, not so good partner will take the best deal and drive it straight into the ground. So it was certainly partner first. And then after that, the the market in general, uh, the Midwest, a lot of people aren't necessarily aware, but the, the Midwest has some of the highest rent increases in the past five years and also population growth as well. So there's various different metrics that we look at when investing in markets, specifically in Nebraska, Lincoln and Omaha area, uh, had great numbers, great metrics that allowed the partnership along with the market and property to all align and allow us to move forward with it. First, starts with the partner, and then you can look at market and then the, the deal property specific. So the first couple of deals that you purchased, was that on primarily on your own or were did you also have partners in those deals as well? Yeah. So the first few deals, all the residential deals is just me. And then the larger multifamily commercial deals were partnerships. 
So as you're going through this journey, you know, and you're looking at full-time real estate, being an entrepreneur yourself, how did you continue to have that mindset of wanting to continue to grow and looking at different asset classes and different properties and opportunities um, with that growth mindset? Yes. So I would say foundationally, before we do anything, you know, it all starts up here, right? You know, as a man or a woman think it, so are they. So, you know, having that growth mindset, being able to not worry about you know, FOMO and fear of missing out, just being able to start, being able to act, being able to learn. So I always say there's two things people need to expand on every single day. That's their knowledge and that is their network. If you can learn something new every day and meet someone new every day, you realize that's 365 ideas and people that you have connected with at the end of the year. Most people probably don't even meet and learn 365 things over their lifetime to, to really bring value to them, right? So, you know, in one year, you have accomplished what most people don't get to accomplish over a lifetime. And now transcending that over 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, you know how much further and how much profound of a growth spurt you will uh, engage and take part in? After that, you know, so so that's the mindset that I use and live by on a day to day basis. Now, from that, it's really a matter of how do we take action and move forward, right? So we can learn a lot of different things, we can meet a lot of different people, but if we're not taking action on it. What does it matter? So you know, the second part of that is action takers are the money makers. You know, that's that's who really end up getting ahead. That's who really end up being able to close deals, that's who really end up being able to be at the uh, the top of the wealth gap and so on and so forth. You really have to take the knowledge, take the resources that you have and do something with it, right? You can have the best car, the best hand ever, and someone can have a poor hand, not so good hand, but they still end up beating you, right? In sports, we always say hard work will beat talent any day if talent doesn't work hard, right? So, you know, you have to act on it, and put yourself in position to make the most of any given situation. So I think a lot of times with taking action, right, is the fear of, like you mentioned, the fear of the unknown kind of holds you back from taking and moving that first step forward. What are some of the things that helped you to, you know, after you've learned and you've created that knowledge base, but actually taking that knowledge and then turning it into action, that turning point for you where it makes sense for you to take that next step? All right. Here's how I think about it. If you have, let's say you're traveling and you're going through a forest, right? You're trying to figure out how do I get through this forest or how do I get to my destination? Realize that. Traveling in the wrong direction, aka making mistakes, is infinitely a better option than you just standing in one spot, not doing anything. So the ability to discover that, oh, this is the wrong direction, this is not where I need to be going, allows me to retract, turn around, and go somewhere a different direction that's toward my end destination. And having that ability to, okay, I know this is the wrong direction. Now, next time I'm going to make, make up for that. I know not to make this mistake, you know, next deal. Oh, I need to make sure I get this in order before I place my offer or before property management. I need to make sure I, I do diligence on this type of aspect. Whereas before 
I didn't know at all. And the key point is, I would have never known that had I not acted. It's okay in, in school, you know, we're, we're taught to not mess up and don't make mistakes, and that's all bad. You know, you don't want to <laughs> get an F and so on and so forth. Your parents coming down on you and every teacher and everybody else. But in reality, in life, failure is the best thing you can do to get towards success. That there's a you know, Elon Musk uh, mentioned about he didn't go to Harvard, but a lot of Harvard people work for him. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it's to really understand that, you know, even, you know, Robert Kiyosaki, you always say uh, that A students work for C students. So the the ability to just go ahead, put yourself out there, you know, just take that first step. Just fig- you, you're going to you're going to figure it out as you move along. You don't need to know the next 10 steps, next 20 steps. Just just know the first step right in front of you. And then as you take the next step after that, next step after that, you start to discover the 10th step and the 20th step. But it all starts with just taking that first step. So I love that analogy, by the way. As you were talking, I imagine myself standing in a forest and there's like two different paths. And which way should I go? <laughs> right, but, right. And just staying standing still, you, you never get anywhere because mm-hmm. you haven't discovered the right or the wrong path. So what happens, because sometimes you can go down the wrong path and you could continue down that wrong path for like maybe several miles. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, you know, that journey could wear on you, you know, as you face failure after failure. So how do you turn that sense of I'm not moving any forward, I'm not getting closer to my destination, I'm actually getting further and further from where I want to be. How do you turn that into a positive? Well, you have to think of it First, you have an understanding of your why, your end destination. Like, is this truly something that you want, right? Because if certain situations come up, if certain downfalls and issues and problems come up, if you're not really eager and hungry for that why, then yeah, you will give up. Most people, when they say they, they want something, they're really just saying they want it, nothing else, right? They, they don't truly want it because people that truly want it, they're going to make sure they get what they want. So whenever an issue come up or let's say they went seven miles the wrong direction, of course they tired, you know, I went seven miles the wrong direction. Can you believe this? <laughs> but they understand like, okay, at least now moving forward. So here's, a, here's something. I always say NBS. What is the NBS? You know, I'm not talking about NBC. I'm not talking about NBA. The NBS. And it stands for people are always, what was NBS? <laughs> it stands for next best solution. No matter what is going on, no matter what issue, what problem, what person, what anything is happening right now, the only thing that really matters is what is the NBS, next best solution. That's the only thing that will move you forward. That's the only thing that will make life better. That's the only thing that will help you achieve. That's the only thing that will provide value and impact for your family and friends and those around you. That's really the only thing that matters. The next best solution, because everything else is just holding you back from getting to the next best solution. So, you know, that's something that I always practice telling myself and telling others in different situations. Okay, well, yes, we went seven miles the wrong way, but what is the next best solution? We know that we we need to turn around retract those seven miles and then go the opposite way so that we can reach our destination and get to the point that we really want to achieve and be at, right? 
that's always, I would say, the one thing I would tell them to ask themselves. What is the NBS? NBS. Thank you. That's fantastic, Alvin. <laughs> so what is next for you and what's your next focus? So next focus for me, 2024, you know, we're starting the year off great. Uh, just closed on an eight unit in Hollywood. And my goal for me is really to I want to close on something every month. I want to uh, double and quadruple 10x. I want to 10x my my capital raising, 10x the properties, my passive income. So, you know, I have a lot of things in store over 2024. I'm looking to get a lot of family and friends and partners involved, you know, on the financial literacy side and also passive real estate investing side. Um, so for me, it's really a matter of staying connected in different groups, like-minded, uh, putting myself in the right situations, right? The network side of it. Always, always learn. You know, I'm a lifelong learner. So every single day, I make sure I learn something that day. If I don't learn something that day, that's a day wasted. So at least something, you know, read a book or something. And then also just build out, build out the business, you know, letting uh, a lot of athletes, professional, collegiate, high school, whoever know about financial literacy, different ways they can invest their money, you know, get out of the stock market roller coaster. Uh, most people in the stock market, wealthy people, they don't make money on your long-term target date retirement funds, you know, different things like that, spreading knowledge of different options. A lot of people don't even know about real estate syndications, uh, how you can get 12 to 15, even 20 plus percent return on your money, which is, you look at the stock market, the average person in the stock market gets three to four percent return on their money over a long term time period. The average person in the bank gets 0.03 percent on their money, <laughs> which is literally eating your money away because of inflation. So just spreading knowledge, that's probably the number one thing I really want to do this year. Speaking engagements and probably write a hard copy book as well uh, to go along with my my ebook, The Passive Real Estate. Financial Athletes Guide to Passive Real Estate Investing. So we have a lot. We have a lot. I mean, we, we can go on and on. What's next? That's a very loaded question. There's a lot of things that's next. 2024 is going to be a big year, Alvin. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so how has real estate investing impacted your life? Real estate investing has immensely, profoundly impacted my life. Uh, it allowed me to, one, you know, achieve financial freedom, being able to do what I want, when I want, where I want, how I want. And at the same time, provided, you know, gave me my time back to now just be a resource for everyone else that's either looking to grow their knowledge, grow their network or grow their investments to put them in position to do exactly what they want to do. So real estate has been been huge. Uh, of course, it's a foundational need in life, right? You know, food, water, shelter. And, and clothing. So you're providing housing for people, being a great landlord. I have great relationships with all of my tenants. So real estate has provided a lot for me and my family. And I'm looking forward to the many, many more things it will allow me to do uh, moving forward. And what is the one thing you know now about real estate that you wish you knew when you first started? The one thing I know now about real estate is that I should have started earlier, for one. No, 10, years, 10 years old? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I should have started earlier than 10 years, though. <laughs> so I was, I was 
actively working with my parents, but I didn't start investing on my own uh, until five years ago. So uh, I should have really started. I didn't have as much. Uh, I just wasn't focused on too much. Like I like I should have on real estate, focused more on just generating income actively. But I would say that definitely start as early as humanly possible. And I would say another thing that real estate has taught me is that there's so many ways to provide value, to get paid, to make an impact, to collaborate. You know, I, I would say real estate is very similar to business in the sense that there's an infinite amount of things you can do in business, right? You look at real estate, there's you have your appraiser, you have your contractor, you have your property manager, you have your lender. You have so many different things all under the real estate umbrella. Whereas, you know, in business, you, you can be involved in so many types of businesses or even engineering, you know, as an engineer, you have mechanical, electrical, uh, you have civil, you have computer, you have so many different disciplines. So what really that has taught me is there's a million different ways to make a million dollars. A, a lot of people, oh, oh I got to do this thing. I got to do this one thing. But there's 999,999 other ways you could possibly do it too. And that's what really I found to create the wealth gap. That's what really has led to a lot of people, you know, falling behind and not really uh, being able to get ahead because they're so focused on this, this one way or these two ways that either society taught them, their parents taught them, school taught them, whatever. When there's eight other options that you can learn, that you can do, and nine times out of 10, most of the time, those eight other options are a lot better than the two options that you were taught growing up. <laughs> like, let's just be frank, right? So that's probably the number one thing I've learned with real estate. There's an unlimited amount of options and opportunity. It is the only thing that is uh, needed is you <laughs> to take action. And what is the one thing that sets the successful people apart in real estate investing? So the one thing that sets successful people apart, I mean, I mentioned the knowledge and the network and taking action. But I would say specifically within real estate investing, at the end of the day, it's a people business. At the end of the day, it's basically sales. So you have to know how to connect with people. You have to know how to communicate with people. And you don't necessarily need to be an extrovert or just, you know, always the one talking the most. But you, you definitely need to know how to make uh, a quality impact, a qualitative impact. And not just talking to say anything, right? You know, you know how to genuinely connect with people because that's all it really takes is one, two, three great connections, and that can change your life forever. You don't need to be the center of attention, you know, on stage talking to a thousand people, which I will plug. I'm actually speaking at Raise Masters. Uh well, there will be a thousand people. It's the the largest mastermind for elite capital raisers, uh, Hunter Thompson. And a, a lot of great other people over there. So uh, everybody look up Race Masters. I'll be speaking at that coming up in next month. But I would say the one thing that really separates people, the successful and the have versus the unsuccessful and the have nots, is knowing how to connect, how to communicate. If you have a, a level 10 skill level, but you only have a level two communication level, how do you think people will perceive you? At that level too, because that's how you communicate it to them. So just just know how to communicate and connect 
probably the number one thing you can do. So Alvin, where can our listeners find out more about you and what you're doing? Yes. So I am on all social media, A, the number one, Ciano, my last name. So A-1-S-C-I-O-N-E-A-U-X. You can look me up, uh, Alvin Ciano Jr. on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. You can also go to financialathletecapital.com or you can go to imperiumfortune.com. Imperium, I-M-P-E-R-I-U-M. F-O-R-T-U-N.com, Imperial Fortune, or go to uh, financialathletecapital.com as well. Awesome. Alvin, thank you so much for being with us here today. I really appreciate all of your time. Yes, yes, definitely appreciate you as well. Uh, I had a great time. Uh, looking forward to connecting more. And thank you for listening to our podcast today, brought to you by Bonavest Capital. We would really appreciate it if you can go to iTunes right now and leave a rating and written review. Also, please don't forget to subscribe so you can always get the latest episodes. You can also connect with us on Facebook, How Did They Do It Real Estate? We'd love to hear your feedback and any topics that you're interested in for future episodes. If you're anything like Zayla and me and believe that real estate investing is a great way to create passive income and build long-term wealth, check out our free apartment syndication due diligence checklist for passive investors at bonavestcapital.com forward slash checklist. Zayla and I created this checklist for ourselves as we evaluated different multifamily syndication opportunities as a passive investor. So we would love to share it with you so you can use it as a resource as well. Download your free copy today at bonavestcapital.com forward slash checklist. Lastly, to learn more about us, you can go to bonavestcapital.com and fill out the contact us page so you can speak to us directly. Nothing on the show should be considered as specific personal advice. Please consult your legal, tax, and real estate professionals for individualized advice.